Welcome back to Russell Street Replay, a podcast that recaps every Baltimore Ravens game by handing out awards and superlatives to various players and plays from each week. I'm your host, Nick Hilmeta. I'm here joined today by Tremaine Fisher. He's a videographer at the University of Denver, but most importantly, he is a huge Ravens fan. I met him while I was on a trip to Denver earlier this year to watch the Ravens play the Broncos, and I'm so excited to have him on the pod here with me today. What's up, man? Thanks for having me, man. I told you it's an honor to be here. I was ready to get into it, break down this game. Yeah, I'm ready to break down this game. And the story of the first half was definitely that Lamar Jackson injury. And I'm sure we're going to get to that a little bit later. But really, what was fun to watch was that second half. So what did you make of that second half where the Ravens just stormed back into this game? Yeah, I mean, it started with, of course, the defense. They completely shut out the Browns offense. Um, If you look at it as a whole, the Ravens defense only gave up 17 points in the game. And of course, the other seven and field goal came from the strip sack return from Miles Garrett. So the defense played well overall. And even if if, I know we're talking second half more, but if you eliminate some of the iffy penalties in the first half, man, I can I can only imagine we could be talking about the Ravens defense only gave up nine potentially or something. And, And what would the result be of this game? And how the AFC North would be looking right now. But the second half overall, it was definitely fun to watch. The main thing, Tyler Huntley, he showed that he has some grit to him. I mean, that Bears game, he wasn't amazing, but he found a way to get it done. And this time around, he really showed that he has that fight. And and let everybody say he's like Lamar's little brother or twin. And we saw that yesterday for sure. Yeah, for sure that, you know, there were some Lamar Jackson 2.0 comments thrown out in the preseason and, you know, no one wanted to get too hyped up about it, uh, but having a really good backup quarterback, man, what, what a benefit this has speaks again to the front office and the coaching staff, just their ability to just have great depth at every position, including quarterback is nuts. And and that kind of gets me to my next point. And, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I know it's a recap podcast. But sometimes a game like this, when a lot of our starters were out, a lot of our key contributors were out, and we still fought back, a lot of young guys making big plays, rookies, it, it gets me excited for next season. Did you feel the same way watching this game? I 100% agree, of course. I mean, the Ravens, as a whole, they can compete at any level with any team. And we see that, um, obviously, we've talked about all the injuries and stuff throughout the course of this season from – J.K. Dobbins being number one to just a ripple effect all the way down to yesterday we seeing the head honcho Lamar Jackson go out and his team still found a way. Next man stepped up. And I just think the sky's the limit for what this team can be if they are healthy. You know what I mean? And and it kind of sucks to see the offense sometimes falter and start so slow. But just, just think if the offense can somehow find a way to put up 17 points in the first half as opposed to only six or three or whatever it might be like they've been doing these past couple of weeks. And then just going forward in the future, just getting guys back and healthy. It's, it's the sky's the limit, man. I'm like, I'm, I am excited for sure. Yeah. And, you know, you think about, man, you get all, you get even a couple of these guys back from injury. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Ronnie Stanley's future, you know, that's so hard to say, but even in other positions, just knowing that, you know, we're going to get guys like Humphrey and Peters back, but, we have backup corners who are playing at a really high level. We have depth at other positions. And in a way, getting this chance to see a lot of guys 
could give the Ravens some flexibility in the offseason in terms of what moves they want to make, what positions they feel like they need to shore up, or if they say, hey, we're ready to go with a different guy. Brandon Stevens as a starting safety could be an example for next season and and not pay big money to re-sign Deshaun Elliott, who I do love, and I think he's a great fit on this defense. But it's just interesting to have – like it's great to have that information. It's, it's key to this front office. It, it 100% is, and the depth is everything. And I think a, a key component will be, like, say, for instance, you said, maybe Brandon Stevens do move into that starting role and they let Deshaun walk out the door or don't want to pay him what he think himself is worth. I mean, he's battled injuries his whole career. Last year he played very well. This year he was playing great up until the injury. But Brandon Stevens, like, when he first came in earlier in the year, he was he was making a lot of mistakes. And we'll, we'll get into him a little later, but – I got him in that newcomer of the week category. He led the Ravens in tackles. He made a bunch of open field tackles. Like he made a lot of plays. And I, I think he had a solid game and he is showing he can be a consistent D-back. And, and Chuck Clark's kind of stepping up every week. He's the the one lone DB that's that's still out there from that starting forward. It was supposed to be a top one in the AFC. And it's it's crazy to see for real. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's a great segue into our first category, Raven of the mm-hmm. Game, because I even had Stevens down as one of my nominees for Braven of the game, just the way that he Mm. plays so calm and confidently in the back of that defense as a rookie, his tackling has been probably the best tackling of any defensive back this season. We've seen everyone miss tackles, except it seems like Brandon Stevens missed a few earlier this season, but since he slid in the starting role, he's making every play. I'll run through the rest of my nominees real quick. Tyus Bowser, I just thought was again, a game where he was everywhere. He didn't have necessarily the, explosive game-changing impact he's had in past games, but there were a couple of plays that really stood out where it just looked like he was leading the charge defensively. But really, I feel like a story of this game was honestly the offense in the second half, just pulling it together. I mean, talk about Tyler Huntley coming in again and just playing his butt off. I think those those two fumbles hurt, and that's something we're going to probably going to talk to talk about in the back to practice awards section. But he also just played his butt off, showed a lot of heart, and I'm mm-hmm. sure we're going to talk about a couple of his highlights later. Mark Andrews had another phenomenal game. I didn't even realize that by the end of the game, Andrews had 11 catches for 115 yards. He did that so quietly, and and he he is just really that that top two of Greg Kittle and Travis Kelsey has been the top two tight ends in the league for a long time. And and I think Andrews has entered that and made it a top three this season for sure. Uh, And then my other nominee is Rashad Bateman. I mean, the rookie with the breakout we've been waiting for. He was robbed of the touchdown that he deserves. I'm sure we'll talk about that later too. Um, But yeah, those are my nominees for Raven of the game. Who'd you have? So I I wrote down two big ones and a few of those kind of surprising to me. I thought Tyus played well, but I wouldn't put him up there in the Raven of the game category, but I certainly see why you're saying that. And I think this kind of was a word that is nice to get new people the award maybe sometimes and stuff too. But I did have Mark Andrews, 11 catches, 115, a touchdown. And you didn't even mention he broke Ty Heat's Baltimore Ravens receiving record, man. So that was just a special moment for him. And then now he's on pace, well over pace to go over a thousand yards for a Ravens tight end first time in history. So I'm excited. Hopefully he can obviously get that feat done and, and maybe even get a hundred um, receptions on the season as well. And then I also said Justin Tucker. This dude is obviously, he comes in, knocks down a 50 or 51-yarder. Then he comes back, knocks in a 45, a 55-yarder. You know what I'm saying? Then he knocks down a 42. 
and the crazy onside kick that we recovered in the second half to give us a chance to go win this game. I mean, Tucker has to be in the conversation, in my opinion. But I think it has to be Mark Andrews just because of how steady he was. And then, like you said, it was a quiet 11 catches for 115. And then, of course, we saw the touchdown to make it a one-possession game. But I truly believe it, it was a it was a big game for Mark Andrews, and I think he would be my Raven of the game for sure. Yeah, actually, that's a great point on just how Tucker is just maybe the most underappreciated player in the NFL, even though mm-hmm. every time a kicker misses a big kick, his name gets trending on Twitter. I mean, that's how good he is. Anytime yeah. a kicker in the NFL misses a kick, Justin Tucker's name gets mentioned because he doesn't miss. He doesn't miss in the big games, in the close games. And I had no doubts if we converted that fourth and sixth at the end of the game and we were set up for a late game-winning field goal, he would have hit it and we would have won that game, no doubt. Um, but I'm with you, Mark Andrews, what, what, just what incredible player and his consistency, especially as an outlet for Huntley. I just, I just feel like he has an unbelievable amount of chemistry with the backup quarterback. And that's not something you see super often in the NFLs when, you know, your star tight end, the guy who's probably your team's best receiver this season has not only great chemistry with Lamar Jackson, we saw that last game against the Browns, right? Mm-hmm. But he also has great chemistry with the backup. That just shows how good of a player Mark Andrews is. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's become a security blanket for well, whoever's at quarterback, I think. you know. Yeah, I, mean? I think if Sam Cook were out there at quarterback, <laughs> yeah. he'd be hitting Andrews for first downs every other play. So exactly. absolutely agree. Mark Andrews, big player of the game, big raven of the game, nod to him. And also huge congratulations on breaking that record. For sure. Moving on to a uh, unit of the game. You know, I want to shout out the receivers here. I know it was uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a Brown Bateman centric day. Um, but man, when you have two guys who are just consistent, they're just catching everything thrown in their direction. You can't ask for more than that. And I, I also, I got to shout out the corners here. They had tough pass interference penalties called against them. They hung in the game. They hung tough. Baker only had 190 passing yards. They held him to under 200 yards. And even though I don't think Baker Mayfield is that good of a quarterback, that's still impressive when it's your third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh string quarter cornerbacks playing and they're getting these pass interference penalties called against them. It's tough to hang in and keep playing physical. So I I think I want to kind of throw a screwball here. I agree with the receiving core. I put Mark Andrews along with Bateman and Brown. They were certainly steady. And we're talking about the chemistry of Mark Andrews with Tyler Huntley. I saw a real chemistry of Bateman and Huntley that was huge in that fourth quarter. And like we mentioned briefly earlier, he was robbed of that touchdown. I I, I was kind of, obviously it was such fast pace. We didn't get to see many replays of it, but I thought he was in, man. When you go up, sky over a guy, spin off, run, (laughs) try and score a touchdown, like, just give it to the kid, but unfortunately came up short. We ended up running it in. Um, another unit of the game, I had the defensive line. I mean, I think we did an amazing job, again, of just kind of bottling up Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who didn't play the full game. I think he got injured again, but, I mean, Owe was huge. Matabuke was huge. Campbell, um, Campbell goes out again in the first half, and the young guys just stepped up. Bradrick Washington. This is where I would put Tyus Bowser kind of obviously in there. Justin Houston, they were steady throughout the whole game. But mm-hmm. I think the unit of the game, I, I'm going to give it to the D-line. But for me, an honorable mention is the coaching staff. Because I do think they made some adjustments on defense yesterday. The first half, 
Baker actually had a big first half. He was 14 for 16 and kind of just shredding the Ravens offense. And we stuck with it, stuck with it. So you gave the shout out to the corners. And that's when Averett made the interception. We kind of ended up getting that field goal. But from that point on, Baker didn't do too much else throughout the rest of the game. And I think it was because of some adjustments and different looks that the coaching staff ended up giving. So I don't want to mention to the coaching staff, but it does start up front with the big boys. So I'm giving the unit of the game to the D-line. Yeah, I got to agree I, with, with the defensive line. I completely forgot just how good they were against Chubb last game. And yep. then you're like, okay, Campbell's coming back. We're going to be even better. And then Campbell goes out and you get a little concerned and they do just as well. I mean, Nick Chubb's too, Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the NFL. I think outside of the games played against the Ravens, he leads the NFL in yards per carry by a lot, but his two games against the Ravens have been his lowest yards per carry of the season. That's just, that's just a credit to this D line and, and the coaching being ready to get aggressive against the run in the second half, knowing the way the Browns would want to play this game out. The Browns seemed ready to play this game out by just running the ball and chewing clock the entire second half, and our defense didn't let that work. Yeah, and I will say the Browns started the game a little different to me. I think they passed a lot more in that first half, and it was working, of course. You know what I mean? And we we, we kind of mentioned it. It was a couple iffy passing interference calls. The one on Chris Westry with Jarvis Landry coming back to the ball. I was like, are you kidding me? It's going to be a long day. And it ultimately was a few more head-scratching calls that I did not like. But the Ravens stuck to it, fought through it, and they found a way to, like I said, defense only gave up 17 points to a pretty loaded Browns offense when when you look at the whole scheme of things and what they can do. So I thought they did a good job overall, for sure. Yeah, and and again, that speaks to the coaching staff, the ability Mm -hmm. to – make it work with the depth because it's not just the in-game adjustments. It's also preparing and, you know, working with these younger guys, these backups, these practice squad players to make sure they're ready to play on Sunday. Incredible job coaching. Um, I, I agree. Uh, moving to, to play of the game, you know, the, the, the one of the plays that stood out to me was about uh, Ty Bowser ending one of the Browns drives by putting the fear of God into Baker Mayfield. Um, there was one play where Baker was rolling out and looking for a man downfield and I just saw Bowser break and head straight for Mayfield. Mayfield got rid of it right away. And, you know, that's that's kind of an honorable mention to me. I just wanted to shout that play out as the kind of impact I felt like Bowser had. Um, but the rest of the plays, you know, Averett's interception was pretty, pretty commonplace. You're supposed to be making that play, but the Ravens are not good at catching interceptions. So credit to him for just, just making the play. I mean, it's just huge to make that kind of a play and just not mess it up. And, but... Really, the story of this game, I felt like, was the offense. You know, we talked about Andrews breaking the tight end record, Todd Heap's tight end record. You know, he actually broke it on one of the grittiest plays I've ever seen. He catches the ball and rumbled for 20 yards with three rounds defender trying to bring him down, just refused to go down. And, of course, that was the play he got the record on. Tyler Huntley's, I don't know how how many yards he actually ended up scrambling for, but that scramble where he juked out. He juked out Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney in the same play, which is not something very many quarterbacks can say they've ever players, not just quarterbacks, players can ever say they've done. And and really showed why what you know what we were talking about earlier, why he is viewed as Lamar Jackson, you know, 2.0. Both, you know, he was long viewed that in Baltimore. They've they've loved Tyler Huntley in Baltimore for years since he got to the team. But now the rest of the NFL is like, hey, who is this guy? Um you know, I was talking with a friend yesterday about Holy's performance. You know, I think he could get a look maybe from another team at some point. 
I think he's probably played, he played well enough to deserve it. And while it sucked to see him go, I would love to see him get an opportunity on another team if they use him right in the same way the Ravens have largely used Jackson right. And then I also wanted to mention Rashad Bateman's should be touchdown catch that we were talking about as one of the plays of the game. I mean, whenever I saw Bateman in one-on-one press coverage at the top of the screen, I was begging for Huntley to just give him a shot because you know how good he is off the line. You know how good he is at the catch point. And not only that, he was really good after the catch. And it's plays like that that have me so, so excited, in particular for next season. I think, you know, a lot of receivers have had better sophomore years than rookie years. And I think Bateman is definitely going to be one of those guys, especially with the injury this year, but especially after the seasons that Brown and Andrews have put together, defenses aren't going to know what the heck to do next season. And Bateman has the least tape. Bateman has the least proven record of all of them. And so he's going to be the one that gets more the most single coverage. And I'm looking for that to be a big, big year for him next year. I a hundred percent agree. I'll, Three of those plays you said I had written down um, the Bateman catch, Mark Andrews, 32-yard catch where he breaks the record, of course, and then Huntley, second and 20. He runs around the whole defense, ends up getting 14 yards, but it was the late hit at the end, and it actually got us a first down, which was just a big momentum play, you know, and that's, that's kind of one of those things that sometimes Lamar will do to just wheel the team, and that's the exact vibe he was giving me with that. But I think the play of the game, to me, just because of the deciding factor, is Bateman. I think if that was actually called a touchdown on the field, it would be no question you'd be saying it was the play of the game. So I think that's why it still is the play of the game, simply for that reason alone. It's because it was just kind of like a highlight reel type of play. I mean, Mark Andrews, obviously, it was a gritty catch and just dragging guys. You see that kind of pretty regularly. But to just sky over a guy, spin off, and try and make the effort to get your first touchdown in the NFL, I think it has to go to Bateman for the actual play of the game. For that. Yeah, I mean, Bateman mossed him. And I honestly yeah. haven't seen a Ravens receiver moss someone oh in a gosh. long time. I mean, maybe back to Steve Smith and and Bolden before that were the last two guys I can think of that really moss someone like that. So mm-hmm. I absolutely agree that that Bateman catch has got to be the play of the game. Moving on to the back to practice award. You know, this is a tough one after a game like this because you, there were so many things the Ravens did well. And there were so many things that it felt like calls went against them in certain situations. Um, I, you know, I did want to note Tyler Huntley's got to tuck the ball. I mean, you know, if he's going to, if he's going to play more for us this season, that's the number one thing. I mean, you could talk about the refs, you could talk about a lot of things, but the truth is if he doesn't have two fumbles, the Ravens win that game. Unfortunately, uh, I, I think the Ravens probably the Ravens were in scoring position for one of those fumbles. And the other one was returned for a touchdown. Uh, you know, the other thing is I, I felt like the, the defense just needs to stand at the jugs machine for six hours today and, and, and all the defensive backs, need to remember, you know, when they played offense, because I'm sure they were all talented enough to play both ways in high school. And they need to remember when they were playing offense, you know, Brandon Stevens was a running back in high school and for a little while in college. You got to catch these interceptions. Like, I'm so glad when the Ravens make good plays on defense, especially when the corners do it and, and they break up passes. And sometimes they're tough. Sometimes the tip is just out of reach. But man, that one to Stevens killed me because he had two really good chances, two chances. at it. Yep. And the first one was like, okay, I understand when a safety is like stunned that a ball it like and it hits him in the face. Like sometimes that happens, but then you gotta reel in that tip. Like you just you gotta do it. 
and, and it's just been a huge frustration point for this Ravens defense, especially without Marcus Peters all season. What else did you have for the back to practice award? That's been the main Achilles heel is, is not getting turnovers on this defense. I mean, obviously tackling we've all talked about all year, but definitely reeling in turnovers, but the back to practice award to me, and it's kind of a tough one because you got to look at who the opponents were and the caliber they are, but it's gotta be the offensive line to me. I mean, Villanueva had a tough, tough game. And of course, it's Miles Garrett or Clowning. I know they kind of switch sides sometimes. And then Tyree Phillips, same thing. You know what I mean? And obviously, both of them two came into the season. One of them was supposed to be on right tackle. That's supposed to be Ronnie Stanley. Then Pat McCarry was filling in and doing great. So that's where Tyree Phillips is there. But I just think, I don't, I don't think it's a fix. You know what I mean? I think the Ravens coaching staff has to just kind of plan more. And I did see those adjustments from the drive right before the half where we went down and got a field goal. And then also all the entire second half, I think it was just quicker passes and stuff. And and that made a big difference. Huntley wasn't holding the ball long at all, kind of mixing in runs to keep him off balance. But you think about it, that play Garrett made was the only play he had all game, you know? So, yeah, it's a monster play where it's the – I would say trifecta, but he scored a touchdown. So I don't even know what that's called at that point when he stripped, sacked, and scooped and scored. But I'm I'm curious to see. I know they said Juwan James went back to practice last week. Is is he healthy and maybe on track to get back out there in the next coming weeks? Maybe just give him a shot at one of those positions, you know? I mean, he he was a high caliber, high high caliber draft pick at one point, had some success, went to the Broncos here in Denver and was the highest paid left tackle at one point and that never panned out but I would love to see if, if he gets healthy enough Jawan James to just get a shot at right or left tackle because the old line just looks horrible sometimes yeah I think I think the, the I mean the big question with James is just he hasn't played significant he hasn't played more than I think 65 snaps since 2018 he only played 65 snaps in 2019 opt out of the 2020 season towards Achilles in May so mm-hmm. he to me he's like he's a long shot like that's a yeah. That's a long shot to return this year, but I do think if he is in football shape and he works in the offense, I, I don't think you can, I don't think anything can go worse than it is right now that's by a, trying him out. That's you know, you know, Macari, we need back at right tackle. And once he's back, he'll be the start of the rest of the year. You know, uh, Phillips, Phillips looked better than I thought. He, he played better than I expected he would. And, and, you know, like you mentioned, it, it is a tough, it is a tough front. They were dealing with a tough, I mean, mm-hmm. Garrett's kind of running away with defensive play of the year. It seems like, um, but you know, Villanueva, it, he just goes so up and down and it, it I, I almost wish sometimes that you could swap out linemen for pass blocking and run blocking. Cause like Villanueva has been solid run blocking, but he just can't pass block. And, you know, Ben Powers at, at left guard has actually been pretty good pass blocking, but I just don't feel confident in us running the ball behind him. Obviously that would tip off the defense too much, but you know, sometimes I wonder if, you know, Ben Cleveland needs to get some reps and just see what he can do instead of powers. But I also understand at the same time, you know, this late in the season, you don't want to shake things up too much. Chemistry is important to holding the line together, but I'm with you. I think that's again going to be the position that makes or break things, makes or breaks things this year. If if Jackson settles down once he returns and kind of returns to maybe not his Colts MVP form, but definitely not his Browns four interception form. At that point, <laughs> right. we've got the receivers. Jackson's going to be there. It's going to be about the offensive line being able to execute. Yep. So uh, moving on, 
moving on to uh, newcomer of the week. I thought Kevin Zeitler maybe had his best game as a Raven. I felt like he just didn't make any mistakes. And that's the big thing for an O-line is just don't be the person who makes a huge mistake. And I felt like he, he had one of those kind of games today. Uh, you know, we actually renamed this the Devonta Freeman Newcomer of the Week Award just because of how many times we gave it to him. Because And it was another consistent game from him. It wasn't anything as, uh, you know, big as his game against the Browns, for example. Um, but still, caught all five of his catches. And so he was at least a consistent outlet for, um, for Tyler Huntley. Uh, and then the, I think the other few guys I want to mention, we already talked about uh, Brandon Stevens. Uh, I think Kevon Seymour deserves a shout out just for being able to play Westry banged up his hand and Seymour held up in his coverage snaps when Westry was out. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think we need to shout out Westry. I, I, I Westry has been up and down. He had a tough game against the bears, but he showed why he got so much hype in the preseason in this game. I felt like, I felt like he was just sticky all game. I agree. Um, Stevens, of course, is in the category. We've mentioned him quite a bit. Chris Westry. I think he's our guy for this simply because Bateman's already kind of, I think he would obviously fall into the category as well with the breakout game he had and being a rookie. But uh, I think Chris Westry, this award has to go to him. I mean, again, this, I guess it's the second or third career start, but I mean, he, you got to know you're going to get targeted in those situations, you know, and he came out gritty, obviously a few calls early in the game didn't go his way and he stuck with it. And I, I think we've heard Harbaugh, say that about him in tons of press conferences is that they truly do believe in him. And I think his size is what's a huge factor. We saw a couple plays down the field in the second half where he got his head around and actually got the pass to fuck. He had two pass breakups in the game and that's not easy to do as a DB. And I thought, like I said, we had, he had a couple bad calls, but he stuck with it. And I think it has to go to him for this because it was, it was, we knew that would be kind of, we had no idea what to expect the first game without Marlon. And of course, Marcus Peters being out all year, Jimmy Smith out. So it's like, you're going to get targeted. And I think he held his own quite well for the Ravens. And yeah. And, teams. and, you know, one of those plays probably would have been a touchdown uh, that he deflected in the end zone. And you just, you just have to credit the mentality of, I, I don't care if these refs are going to throw flags on me. I'm going to keep playing my game because I know what I'm doing. And to his credit, he kept playing his game and, and, you can't ask for more than that, especially a guy who was an undrafted free agent, you know, couldn't stick around with the Cowboys, but came here. And I'm sure, you know, having our coaching staff and and the veterans that he has on this team, you can see the work he's done. And and that I I really hope this is a guy they're able to keep on the team in future years. He's just, I I just love him as a, as a kind of Raven player. He's got that Raven spirit. I agree with that. And I think his size it's what really separates him. You don't see many, if any, six, four corners around the league. You know yeah. what I mean? It seems like he kind of runs with anyone. So he has a little bit of speed behind it as well. And he just seems sound at the cornerback position. And that's, in my opinion, it's the toughest position to play in football. So to come in, have that length, have that size, but also being able to run with guys smaller like Landry and stuff and make a play. I think that's, that's that says a lot about you for sure. And he's a great tackler. He's a, he's a reliable tackler. Indeed. And that's a really underrated thing at corner that the Ravens have kind of always emphasized at that position historically. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the mile high miracle, ridiculous Ravens moment of the week, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, what the, what the craziest thing to happen in this game was. Cause there was a lot of crazy things going on. I mean, you could go the bad crazy in terms of the, 
the early pass interference calls and Lamar's injury. You could talk, and, but, but I really think this game was about the good crazy. It was about the Tyler Huntley doing his Lamar Jackson impression. It was about Mark Andrews piling on for 20 extra yards after the catch. But I think more than anything else, that, 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 um, that recovered onside kick yep. was just the craziest thing I've seen. Tucker is the best kicker in NFL history. And, and I'll say that and I'll say it until I die. He's the best kicker this oh, yeah. league has ever seen, but he's never been able to convert an onside attempt, which is just the funniest thing. And he hits this one perfectly. I don't know what the Browns player was really doing. If he didn't think the ball was going to bounce up, but credit to Chuck Clark for diving on that boy. And man, I, I'm, I, I think I, I think I might've let out my loudest yell of the season when that happened. <laughs> yeah, I certainly lost it as well. I mean, I, I was kind of, I was honestly, after we had scored and um, like kicked the field goal or whatever, I'm like, all right, now we're screwed because we went for the two-point conversion beforehand, which I know we're about to get into in a moment. But I was kind of like, I was I, like, I didn't, I don't, I don't want to say I gave up on the Ravens, but I was checked out like, ah, oh, it comes down to this. You know what I mean? Because we, we, because of what we did earlier in the game. And it just kind of had me a little down. And to see it bounce off of him, and I was like, "Jump on it!" Like, and of course, Chuck Clark jumps on it. So that that has to be the moment. I mean, I think another. I think I, I wrote down the um, Huntley run. That was just kind of a crazy play as well. And I don't know if this this might go into another category. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on it. But I think I think that has to be the moment for sure. Well, moving on to the to the next category, head scratcher of the week. We've talked about the pass interferences. We mentioned them. Uh, you know, the one on Averett, I felt like if anything, that's illegal contact. Like, and, and that's a, yeah. that's a 13 yard difference on that play. A pass interference penalty was 18 yards at the spot, but a, you know, an illegal contact penalty, it's five yards, automatic first down, but it's way different in terms of the drive. You yeah. know, the ball didn't look exactly catchable. It didn't even look like the receiver was going to get there. Mm-hmm. Averett didn't touch him, but I'd accept a flag of some sort in that play. That Westry play, I think that was offensive pass interference on Landry trying to prevent the interception. Westry had better leverage on the ball. He was turned around trying to make a play on the ball with yeah. his right hand, and Landry was tackling was. him. I think that's a no flag, if anything, because they were kind of tangled up. But to call it defensive, like I, 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 t- I tweeted, and I really felt this way. It just felt like the refs gave the Browns three points to start yeah. the game in a game that was ultimately decided by two. I mean, yes, the Browns later missed a field goal, and at that point, you can talk about the, the circle being completed or whatever, but – it still just stings to, to see that. And, you know, this is before Lamar goes out. So you're not really thinking about the end of the game, but to look back on it hurts. Yeah. So my biggest head scratcher of the week, of course, is the two point conversion. Why did we go for it when we went for it? But before getting into that, I just want to get your take on after we scored our very first field goal, um, Justin Tucker had a weird kickoff. I don't know if he slipped or what. It just kind of looked like a screwball. But I don't know if you remember this play. This is right before the, the end of the second half. We kick it off to them. And the um, Browns defender, it like the ball deadens at like the two-yard line, right before the goal line and right close to the sideline. And uh, apparently it was a heads-up play by the Browns defender. But he sticks his right foot out of bounds and touches the ball. And I saw a flag go. And I'm like, Illegal touching, like, I'm like, let's go, I'm excited. Like, that was a great kick. Like, even though I, when he kicked it, I was like, that was a weird kick. And I was a little confused. 
And then before I know it, they're all walking forward and advancing to the 40-yard line. And I was like, are you kidding me now right now? I was like, how is that not illegal touching? Because that's a 40-yard difference. And then if you, if you kind of continue that sequence, the Ravens force a three and out ultimately. But that's also the drive where on third and long, Brandon Stevens dropped that interception. So <laughs> here it is. The, 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 the interception would have been around the 50-yard line or so, let's say 45 or wherever. And, and here it is, we they have to punt to us. They punt to us, pin us inside the 10-yard line, and then now we're trying to go the distance with less than a minute or right, right over a minute, and that's when Miles Garrett gets the strip sack and scored for the touchdown. So I thought that call right there was a huge head-scratcher. I mean, it's something I've never seen before, but I so, immediately thought it was a legal touch. No, so that that's the rule. They called that right. That That's – it's, you know, the, the player was – it's kind of a little loophole that – Teams, a lot of teams have exploited um, where if the, the kickoff is close to the sideline, you can touch out of bounds and then touch the ball, and the ball is you know technically ruled out That's of bounds. Crazy. I'm not sure why the rule is that way. The origin of that rule, it could be a you know wanting to reduce kickoffs towards the sideline to reduce all of the coverage collapsing on one area to reduce injuries. I'm not sure exactly why, but I mean they called it right. I'm also just generally a proponent of touchbacks every play, especially with a team as banged up as the Ravens are. But the Ravens had like to do those screwballs. I think Tucker had a little pop-up one, like mm-hmm. a little look almost like a punt because they wanted to prevent any kind of return. Um, so they called that right. And I, I want to get ahead of you on that, on the two-point thing, because, mm-hmm. I, and I'm not even thinking about the analytics here. The analytics, we can, you know, the analytics say it was right to go for it. And I, I understand and agree with those. But a lot of people don't necessarily – like that explanation. So I, I want to just kind of reiterate what Harbaugh said after the game, because it's really easy. You're down 15 points with nine minutes or whatever left in the game, right? So all of a sudden you're down by, but they score a touchdown and they're down by nine. So you have to decide if you want to make it an eight point game or a seven point game. If you decide to make it a, an eight point game, you kick the extra point. The next time you score, say it's at the very end of the game with no time left, you no matter what, you have to get that two point conversion. Right. And earlier in that drive, right, with only with uh, with that, you know, two minute. So you're doing a two minute drill at the end of regulation to try and tie the to try and tie the game up with the two point conversion. You don't know that you need another drive. If you go, you're going to have to go for it earlier or later, one way or the other. If you go Mm -hmm. for it later, you're not giving yourself more time to make up for it. If you miss, if you go for it earlier, that way, you know, okay, I need two more scores to win this game. But if you go, if you do the extra point earlier and you go for the two point conversion late and miss it, you don't have any time to make up for the fact that you missed it. That's the big thing. That's how Harbaugh explained it yesterday, and I'm I'm fully behind him. It's just when you when you got nine minutes left in the game, and you're not, or I think it might have even been less than that when they scored, and you're not yeah. certain that you're going to get two possessions back. I mean, that changes how you manage your next possession. It changes the clock, right? If they were only down seven. They were if they were only down seven points, and with that two-minute drill, they wouldn't try and score as quickly as they could and give the ball back to the Browns right away. They might try and take a little time off the clock to prevent the Browns from having too much time, or they might know they need to score quickly so that they can potentially get the ball back for a game winner at the end. You just you need the information. I, so you breaking it down that way, I can see it both ways, but ultimately, in my opinion. If you look at a 15-point game, when we scored the touchdown, for one, we thought the touchdown was Bateman's, you know. So it was just the weirdness of 
Oh, Bateman didn't score. Okay, goal line offense real quick. They put Latavius Murray in, or he might have already been in. They run it up the middle. He scores first play immediately. But then it was a weird penalty going on, and I was confused because I thought initially the um, Latavius Murray touchdown was the two-point conversion. So mm, when I okay. so so looking at it, I was like, oh, he didn't score, and we went for two. And I was like, what? So now we just scored the touchdown, and then it was a, a huge delay because of the penalty, and they were reviewing it, and oh, it's too many men on the field and all this. And it was kind of that confusion to where I think the Browns had a good chance to go out there and actually uh, figure out what they wanted to run. So that's when it came down to when you saw the play, I don't think they should have been passing the ball with Huntley in that situation. The play call to me was horrible. On top of, I think they should have just kicked the field goal after the circumstances of how it played out of. You were really close. You didn't get it. Then you rush up to the line. You run a play. It was a weird penalty. They had time to actually get their defense set, get in, do what they wanted. At that point, I think Harbaugh should have flipped the switch like, nope, we're going to kick this field goal here. Because I think it was seven minutes on the clock, give or take. And I, I don't mm-hmm. want to say the wrong time. I know you can mention it nine. I think it was a little less. But I think regardless, you got to trust your defense and think you're going to at least get one more possession. So I think you kicked the field goal. But I, the main thing was the play call was horrible. And I think the Browns had a good opportunity to set their defense. And ultimately, obviously, they got the stop. So here it is, a nine-point game. We don't. We go down, get the stop immediately. The offense drives directly back down the field, and you have this hope. And it, it kind of was a controversy too. On a fourth and six, and we're sitting there on a forty-yard line, forty-one something like that, and people were thinking Tucker should be coming out for a kick. And I'm like, no, like it's too far. The wind's swirling. You don't kick the field goal now. You have to go for this because of what you did ultimately earlier. So I think at that point, the two-point conversion dictated what you had to do on the 41-yard line as well. And that's when Bateman made that huge play. It wasn't the over-the-top play, but it was a, it was just a fade down the sideline, one-on-one coverage where he beat the defender. And then I think the next play is when Mark Andrews scored the touchdown right up the seam. So it was kind of, I think, the sudden call definitely dictated what happened in the game the wrong way ultimately because obviously we lost or whatever but I think that was the biggest thing to me and that's where the question and the head scratcher kind of came in for me to me that argument isn't actually an argument in favor of going for it because like you said one way or the other like like you said yes it dictated what the Ravens had to think about and do but rather than rest the whole game on getting a two-point conversion at the very end just having the information earlier and I just checked it was nine minutes having the information earlier just it just lets you know what you need to do to win the game down the stretch. And right. the percentages of you getting converting earlier versus later are no different. The only difference is time. And that time and information to me is everything. But I, I get where you're coming from in terms of the whole, I didn't even think of it in the way you described it in terms of the kind of kerfuffle after Latavius Murray scored. It did give the it did give the Browns a chance. I don't love the play call because I think the Ravens call that play in that kind of situation too often. Yep. And I think that predictability is ultimately, to me, souring me on Greg Roman in Baltimore because I think, you know, with Lamar, I didn't necessarily love a lot of the play call. He called cute quarterback draw on third and six, which just didn't make sense to me. Um, but at the same time, it felt like their blitz beaters were a little bit better. Like I know that fourth and sixth, the slant to Braitman doesn't look great, but Huntley made the, it was the right play call. You have your yeah. hot read for the blitz. Denzel Ward made a play. I mean, that's what the Ravens Huntley said that after the game. So did Bateman and they're right. I mean, 
it sucks that it happened that way, but I, I they, they actually figured out how to beat the blitz towards like in the second half, I felt like, yep. but that predictability for me is what's killing Roman in my eyes. Um, head scratchers. We talked about the, we talked about the PIs. Uh, there was another one on Tavon young in the end zone. That was just, I'm sorry. That's just not passion interference. That's just yeah. not what, what counts as passion interference in the NFL. This is kind of one of those cases where they just make life so hard on cornerbacks. Like you said, it's definitely the hardest position to play. Mm-hmm. And you know, there were times in this game where I was like, man, the Ravens should play this game under protest, like some baseball teams do when, when a big call, when the, when the, when the umpire is yeah. really bad, because, you know, that th- talk about things that impact how you play the rest of the game. You know, you have a chance to get the Browns off the field. I, I don't remember if that, if that, um, if that call was on third down, but I, but, you know, at least it gave the Browns first and goal at the first one. And, and they, of course they punched in a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's those kind of things that are crushers to me that, really frustrate me with officiating because there's just no accountability. A hundred percent, man. And, and you think about it, the calls cleaned up. I think it was called fair or more even in the second half for sure. I mean, it's no, you think about all the head scratcher ref calls or anything, they're all were first half. So that's one thing that we can say it didn't, it, I mean, ultimately probably cost the game because it impacted it in whatever way. But at the same time, it wasn't no, the last drive of pass interference that, let the Browns seal the game. So I'm kind of thankful for it wasn't as robust a crazy play like that that ended it. But when it comes down to it, I mean, officiating, like you said, it has no accountability. And that, that was a big, big part of it. So I agree. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but credit to the coaching staff in general. I don't think there were any crazy head scratchers. I mentioned the QB draw call and, you know, issues with Roman in, in, in general at times in the first half. Yeah. But Man, I felt like this. I mean, again, it was just one of those weeks where I felt like Roman just really stepped up the play calling in the second half and and hit all the right notes. And it's frustrating that it always has to take for the second half for that to happen. But with the Ravens playing the way they are in the first half, it's almost like you get all the information you can in the first half and then you play like hell in the second half and hope you can pull out a win. Uh, which has worked for them more than once this season. So it's it's kind of where we're at at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of their DNA. You get down, you get your back against the wall, and it's like, all right, now we're ready to go out and play some football, which is obviously gives us a headache <laughs> watching yeah, the games. As but fans, as yeah, fans. we're trying to, trying to just enjoy our Sunday afternoons, and the Ravens are giving me heart issues. Yeah. Um, so moving on, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, after a couple weeks of doing this award, I'm really upset I didn't think of it earlier. Unsung Hero, because this is such a great award for this Ravens team with all the injuries and just with the focus on depth that this front office has had across all positions. So here are kind of my nominees for, for unsung hero. Roger Washington played 40 snaps in this game, which I think is a season high for him. And I think he, it kind of sucks because he had his first sack of his NFL career wiped out by rave, the Ravens challenging um, that, that Mayfield, I think it was ruled a fumble initially and they challenged it um, because he fumbled forward and the Browns recovered it. So they get got yards on the play. Um, but I mean, I, I just think he was really good, especially after Campbell went out. He was just a force, eating double teams, being there in the middle, uh, kind of the same same thing, same way that Chris Board, I felt like was okay this game. But Christian Welch, man, he he comes in for these rotational snaps, and if there's a ball carrier around him, he swallows him up. And I, I mentioned Kevon Seymour, but I want to shout him out again here because you know he he was dealing with COVID last week. He you know, is really a depth guy on this squad, but he's going to get asked to do a lot more the rest of the season. And that's going to be, that's going to be tough. 
for him. We've got a tough schedule, but he started with a good game, and I think that's that's key to building up his confidence. I didn't really have any unsung heroes on offense because I feel like the main guy is kind of – we already talked about him. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting you say Welsh at the linebacker position. I was just thinking, I mean, I, I think Bonds, maybe he don't fall into the category of being a starter, I guess. But I think he was just so steady, as he has been. Like, Patrick Queen had a very quiet game. I mean, he was out there, he was running around, but you didn't really see him making too many plays or nothing. I thought I did see Bynes kind of a little more involved, and he had a kind of a solid game. And, I, I, I mean, I think ultimately, does it go to Tyler Huntley? With him coming in out of nowhere, not knowing Lamar's going to get hurt, and you're going to even play today. And, I mean, pass for 270, a touchdown. Obviously, you had the two crucial fumbles, but, I mean, you did all you could on not being prepared to be the starter. You know what I'm saying? That's the, the life of a backup quarterback in the NFL. And I think it got to go to Tyler Huntley, in my opinion. Yeah, that's just heart. That's just grit. I mean, there's so much to love about the guy. Yeah. And, and, and you know, he, he gets all his props after the game, and now he's getting attention from the national media. But he's looked like this. He's played this well in the preseason. Oh, yeah. He played this well in his relief appearances. And, you know, when he started against the Bears – he, he wasn't he wasn't great for stretches, but there were other stretches where he was just spot on with everything. Uh, so, I mean, I'm 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 with you on that. I, I personally got to give it to Bradley Washington. I think he deserves a shout out here, but I'm, I like that. I'll, well. We'll, we'll also put it out there for for Tyler Huntley uh, moving forward. You know, next week we got the Green Bay Packers and obviously we're recording this on on Monday, December 13th. John Harbaugh announced earlier today that he's actually expecting Lamar to play. Uh, as of as of right now, I think they're going to have to do a lot of evaluation throughout the week on Lamar. Um, so obviously, that's going to be the big question for next week. But what else are you looking forward to in next week's game against the Green Bay Packers? I think it's it's going to be a tough game. I'm I'm happy to see the Ravens go back home. I mean, it's been two tough weeks. Obviously, going to Pittsburgh and playing after playing the Browns, and then getting the Browns again after their bye week in Cleveland. Like that's just tough to do. You know what I mean? And I think just coming home to the bank, getting the fans cheering for you, hopefully that can energize these guys. I mean, the Lamar update, like Harbaugh saying he expects them to play. I mean, with it not being a high ankle sprain, that's huge. Obviously, that eliminates it Oh, automatically being a two-week injury normally. You know what I mean? If it's a high ankle sprain. But I think the Ravens should really take it cautious with him because I think obviously this Packers game is a big game coming up. And it's at home. But – to me, the Bengals game the week after is a much more bigger game in the ultimate scheme of things of you needing to win your division to get in the playoffs is what it's going to look like. So I think it's just kind of be real generous and cautious with Lamar. Huntley didn't show nothing to where he can't withstand his own. And, and like I said, it's going to be tough. I mean, the Packers are bringing in, I'm not going to say the best receiving core, but one of the best receivers in the NFL. So I will, I will hope to have Jimmy Smith back out there Chris Westry trying to maybe switch off those two matching up with Devontae Adams and then the rest is a free-for-all just kind of match up makes a match wherever you can and hopefully these guys can slow them down but I mean I checked out the Packers yesterday and they look good they're firing all cylinders their defense is playing well as well so it's going to be a tough one for the Ravens for sure yeah and I think that's a really good point you know I'm never one for for throwing throwing in the white flag and and surrendering you know to any opponent but at the same time, you've got to be realistic when you're saying, okay, we're playing, we're, we're playing a, playing a pretty, it's, it's been a pretty good defense, especially the last few games, mm-hmm. you know, Rashawn Gary's looked freaking scary to me the last few games, 
Rasul Douglas had, I think he might've had two interceptions last game uh, for the Packers. And so they just, I think they're just getting Jair Alexander back fully. I'm not sure if Zadarius Smith X Raven is back yet, but you know, it's a team that's hot. And I think that's, that's concerning. If you throw Jackson in there on a bad ankle, I just think the risks of that far outweigh the positives when, you know, is a, is an 80% Jackson when this, when this offense is so built around his mobility and, you know, when we can't run the ball with Jackson, our offense flounders as a result, more, more than just the pat, more than just his passing inaccuracy. It's also when the running game falters, you know, you take that element out of this offense and that's tough with Huntley. Is he nearly as good as Jackson? No, obviously not. But one, he's proven he can do this. He can lead this offense. He's got chemistry with the main guys and he can, mm-hmm. he can do, he can basically fill Jackson's almost entire role. And then two, you know, the Bengals game is the next week. If we had a buy the week after, or, you know, Jackson, yeah. you know, if we were playing an opponent that wasn't such a must win game, fine. But it, it, because the Bengals lost to the 49ers today, thank you 49ers. Shout out Brandon Ayuk. That was a sick touchdown. Thank you so much. We're still in first place miraculously. And so even if we lose, even if we lose to the Packers, at worst, we'd be in second place tied, uh, tied with the Bengals, and they have the tiebreaker on us. The Bengals game is must win, and I just think, exactly. you know, I, you never want to look past your next opponent, but in terms of Jackson's availability, if he is not ready to go, if, he, if that ankle is just not supporting him, you can't play him. you got to go with Huntley and roll your dice a little bit. Yeah, I, I think if Lamar's not 100%, like, I know he's going to want to go out there, but it's, it, you know what I'm saying, I, I, I really hope Harbaugh looks at the grand scheme of things, and I, I, by no means was I saying they should throw in this Green Bay game and just, Huntley, if we win, we win, but I think Lamar's health is obviously so crucial, and it's, it's weird to say, well, not weird to say, because he's obviously MVP, but, I mean, he hasn't played great still, and I was hoping yesterday's game would be the game where he kind of breaks out of this slump that he's been in. I mean, it's probably the worst of his career. And that first half, it was still just in that slump. I mean, we got the one early first down to Marquise Brown and I think we went three drives in a row of, of punts. You know what I mean? So it wasn't the turnovers. It was just the offense. And I think, like I said, I think Roman and offensive coordinators made adjustments and, and Huntley kind of reaped the benefits of those once he saw what the Browns were doing coming out of that bye. But I, I do believe it's, it's so crucial. Like you said, it's a must win against the Bengals, whereas this Packers game, I mean, it's a tough team. And it's, it's not like I'm sure we're coming in as what underdogs, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's not one where you should be running Lamar out there 50% thinking he's going to save the day when if he's can't be, he's not going to be himself anyway. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the struggles are another point where, you know, game by yes, Jackson, a healthy Jackson is always this team's best chance to win, but game by game, you have to look at it and say, he's in a slump is an injured Lamar Jackson going to break out of his slump. If he can't do the things that help him break out of a slump that help him be the guy he is just being able to extend plays behind the line. I'm not sure it's worth it. I think it's, I'm, I hope it's going to be a good game. I mean, part of me just thinks that it is entirely possible that green Bay walks in and blows us out of our own stadium, just because they are so talented. They have probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. They have a, they have a good O-line. It's a couple running backs that are really tough to tackle, but at the same time, this team rises to every challenge that's, yeah. that's given to them. What is it that Ray Lewis says? No, no, no weapon forged against this team shall be successful or whatever. And, you know, I think they're just going to go in and, and give the Packers another, the, the fight of their season, no matter what the deficiencies are. And, 
God, that's just the thing I love about this team. I mean, just to watch them yesterday, I, I just love the resiliency of this team and the, the ability that so many different players have to just ignore the scoreboard, ignore the injuries, ignore the narrative, what everyone is saying about the Ravens being down 24 to six to the Browns and almost come all the way back and shove it down the Browns throats was so, so satisfying. Yeah. And, and I just kind of looked at it real quick just to see they got the Ravens as minus five underdogs plus five. So that's, that's pretty rare for the Ravens to have at home, you know what yeah. I mean? At the bank. But, but that's, that's a shocking thing of saying what Vegas and everyone else is thinking around the league of, they're not looking great right now, and the Packers are, I'm going to say, on fire because they lost two weeks ago to Minnesota, who we all know is a gritty, gritty team that's played in all these close games, and they, they end up found a way to hold off the Steelers. Shout out to them on Thursday night. But it, it really comes down to what Ravens team is going to show up and when are they going to show up. You know what I mean? If we, if we put up six points in the first half against the Packers, I can see it being a long day. They, they will have to start fast in this game for sure. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to it, and Agree. you know, you just you just got to tip your cap again to the coaches. It's something I talk about every week on this podcast that uh-huh. you know they're going to come in next game, and these guys will do anything for John Harbaugh. He is maybe the best motivator in the NFL, and I just think that no matter what, the Ravens are going to come out, and you can guarantee they're going to give their best effort. And at the end of the day, as a fan, with all the injuries and everything this year, that's that's all you can ask for. Hundred percent. Looking forward to it, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was a blast to have you on the pod. We certainly hope to have you on in the future. Uh, Any final thoughts you'd like to say about the Ravens? Uh, Just I I want them to finish strong, man. It's four games left. And if if they can find a way to even win two and go two and two, worst case scenario, I think they'll be good to get in the playoffs with that Bengals one being one of those wins. I think they'll be good to get in the playoffs. But And and as we've seen with this – as we've seen with this team, once you're at the dance, once you're in the playoffs, anything, anything can, can happen. happen. Yep. Amen, brother. So. Well, thanks again so much for joining me. It was a blast to have you on the pod. And thank you to everyone for listening once again this week. We hope to have you back next week to recap the Baltimore Ravens game against the Green Bay Packers. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>